It's time for Cadillac on Call on News Radio 610 KONA. It's your chance to learn valuable health information right here in our community. Now, the host of Cadillac on Call, here's Jim Hall. Hello, friends. Welcome to Cadillac on Call, presented by Cadillac Foundation. Each week, we are here with you to share important health and medical information available here in the Tri-Cities community in Benton and Franklin counties. And as we have done almost exclusively now for more than a year, our focus largely has been on COVID-19. Today, we'll get the latest on the pandemic from public health experts and later... With summertime now upon us, tips for families to keep you health, keep you and your family, I should say, safe and healthy when you're out enjoying all of the wonderful outdoor activities that our area has to offer. I want to point out our colleagues at the Benton Franklin Health District have been valuable partners with us during the past several months, especially on this program each week. And one of our go-to guests is Heather Hill, the Communicable Disease Program Manager with the Benton Franklin Health District, and Heather uh, opens our program for the first part this evening. And welcome to the program, Heather. And and as we sit here in the month of June of 2021, I know uh, we had talked about over the past year, each time we come out of a holiday weekend, uh, there has been some concerns about COVID. And I know we're about two weeks after Memorial Day holiday. Um, Are we okay as we come out of this latest holiday? You know, I I think it's important to look at the data carefully, and what we're seeing is, you know, we anticipated a spike. We're, you know, just a little bit more than a week out. Um, You know, our data is actually looking pretty good. There's there's possibly a little bit of a blip up in, in data, but I think, again, it is so important that we look at trends rather than a a day here or a day there. So we'll keep trending this out. I mean, the good news is if you look at the overall uh, month to month to month or even a couple of weeks at a time, we're starting to trend continuing in the the downward direction, which is is a good way to go. That is certainly a good way to go. And I I want to maybe do that look back, look forward. And and let's look back if we were, we, we can until about a year ago at this time. And maybe if you would, just uh, if you can uh, spark your memory that long, I know it's been quite a year and a half for you and your team, but but if you could reflect back on where we were a year ago at this time and maybe contrast that to where we are today. Well, a year ago, we had entered the summer months. We had graduations, graduation parties, we had Memorial Day, all those gatherings, and our, our data was certainly heading in the wrong direction and, and had some pretty high peaks as a result of all those a- activities that happened back during that time of year a year ago. I think what really has made the difference, fast forward to where we are currently, is, is truly the vaccine. And it has proven to be so effective in preventing disease that we really see vaccine is is the key to ending the pandemic for us. It has such a high effectiveness rate. You know, and unfortunately, we, when we start looking at the data of who actually is continuing to test positive, I know Dr. Shaw from Washington State Department of Health was looking at the state data and said about 90, I believe it was about 97% of people who test positive right now 
actually are not vaccinated. And we don't have data specific to our region. It will be coming shortly from Department of Health. But just in talking anecdotally to our, our physician community, especially our infectious disease doctors, they, they are saying that's what they're seeing as well, is that a, a typical person with disease that they're likely to hospitalize many times than not are not vaccinated. So we're definitely seeing a direct correlation with vaccinated people are not catching it. If they are catching it, it's very mild versus the people who are not vaccinated are still becoming quite ill. And I, and I recall, in addition to the, the, the information you shared about Dr. Shaw with the state of Washington's Department of Health, I recall leading into Memorial Day weekend reading a story out of Central Oregon and Bend where they were, their hospital was virtually full and they did have data. And it was similar, I think, to the statistic you shared that I think it was 98% of their cases of COVID that were entering their hospital were unvaccinated workers or unvaccinated right. people. We're seeing that across the nation. You know, the U.S. data is starting to come out very clear that right now the burden of disease is truly within the unvaccinated population. And, and that's unfortunate because we have a life-saving vaccine that is being proven to be extremely safe. Not that people don't have vaccine reactions, feel ill afterwards, but when we look at the safety data post-vaccine on this one versus you know, other medications or treatments or even vaccines that you might take, this one is extremely uh, safe and low side effects in the long run. And, and I was going to say, maybe this is a, a, another area of emphasis for people that might be a little skeptical to say, okay, to most of us, it seems common sense that the people that are going to most likely catch this are the unvaccinated, so all the more reason to get vaccinated. Right, and we, and we look at herd immunity. We keep talking about herd immunity and whether we're trying to prevent a pandemic like COVID or an outbreak like measles, it is so important that we get a roughly 70% of the uh, population vaccinated to actually see an end to an epidemic or a pandemic. And we're, we're, not, we're not there. And unfortunately for the mid-Columbia region, we still remain at one of the lowest vaccinated in, in the state with, um, as of June 5, Benton County fully vaccinated is at about 43.7% of 16 and older. And Franklin County is at 36.7% of 16 and older fully vaccinated. So we're, we're not as close to that 70% as we certainly need to see. And, and we are definitely lower than the state in general. And I understand, I want to say, if memory serves, the state number of fully vaccinated age 16 and older is 56%. So Franklin County yeah, is like right 20% lower. Yeah, yeah, we're about 20% lower. The state is in the mid-50s. So you know, we certainly as a state um, need to take a serious look at, at our rates. But we know that there are pockets in the state where we see very high vaccination rates and very low disease burden. So we know it's a vaccine that works. And, you know, what I tell people is there's a risk to most everything we do. Certainly there is a risk to a vaccine. But when you look at the risk of taking this vaccine versus the risk 
of actually catching COVID disease, even if you are a young person. Uh, to me, it just makes total sense. Take the risk with the vaccine because you have no clue how that virus is going to react in your body and what it will actually do to you in the long run. And and I'm going to ask this question. I know we since the vaccine has been out, I've asked it multiple times during the course of our conversations in the past couple of months. But I'm going to repeat it because I think it is important is I know that everything, some of the, the folks that are concerned or, or skeptical about getting the vaccine, well, it's been rushed. It's It's been, it, I, I, there's just not enough evidence in my mind that, that I should be to convince me to get the vaccine. What is your message to people like that? You know, so much of what makes it feel rushed is the fact that because we were in a severe emergency, much of the work that happens pre-vaccination, like the paperwork and the approvals, it takes months to years to actually be able to get into the actual testing of the vaccine in human subjects. Because of the severe nature of what was happening around the world, the, the FDA really moved along all the pre-planning stuff, all the paperwork. Um, it can take 18 months or more just to make one tiny step along the way of being able to test your vaccine. And it's, it's the aspect that happens prior to even putting a vaccine into a person's arm that takes a tremendous amount of time before it ever reaches testing and, and the final product out to the public. So it wasn't that the actual human testing happened quickly. It was everything else to do with vaccines and being approved that happened quicker, the paperwork, the regulatory aspect of vaccine trials. Visiting with Heather Hill with the Benton Franklin Health District, we have an interesting conversation on this topic because I, I think there is some more communication we need to share on it on to help people understand and feel comfortable that, that no corners were cut. Uh, we'll visit our, with Heather more about that right after this. You're listening to Cadillac On Call on 610 KONA. This program provides general information only. Any comments or information presented are strictly for educational purposes. Cadillac and 610 KONA do not endorse any of the suggestions made by the presenter or callers. Now back to Cadillac On Call. Once again, Jim Hall. Welcome back to the program. We're visiting with Heather Hill with the Benton Franklin Health District. And when we went into our last break, we were talking about the reasons that people really should get vaccinated if they are still on the fence. And I want to add a couple of more questions uh, to send them Heather's way on this topic, because I think it was an important point you were making is that the the the, the rapid nature that these vaccines came on the market was hey, we were in a public health emergency in this world, let alone this country. And so we should not think that moving so quickly to get to where we have been with the vaccine should be something that should make us skeptical. Is that, am I accurate in that, Heather? You've, you've said it very, very well, Jim. And it's important to understand also that the actual technology that went into the development of this vaccine also wasn't new. It wasn't like they were inventing a brand new technology and a brand new way of doing this. That had actually been happening for decades. And it really meant let's take this phenomenal technology 
that allows us to make this type of a vaccine. And honestly, I suspect this is going to be a vaccine trend for the future. And let's use it at a, at a very important time for not only the United States, but for the world, because this is a, a world emergency. It was a pandemic. There isn't a single part of the world that hasn't been affected by this. And let's avoid the red tape, you know, that governmental bureaucratic red tape that drug companies have to go through before they ever get to the point of the actual product testing. Once it hit the product testing part of this vaccine, that is where things happened as it always does. There were no shortcuts. The number of people it was tested on is very typical for a vaccine. It was looked at just as carefully as any other vaccine has been. It's just that we were able to bypass those literally years of red tape that happened long before the actual vaccine tests in humans happened. And I know you're big into data, and so if we're not necessarily even talking about the clinical trials that produce the vaccines, we've had hundreds of millions of people around the world vaccinated, so I'm guessing the data is showing some sort of results as to not only the effectiveness, but people that may have negative effects from the vaccine. You know, and from my, again, public health nurse perspective, it's very exciting to see this kind of data. Nowhere in, in my 40 years of being a nurse have I been able to witness, you know, this many months of this many people getting a vaccine, which again gives us phenomenal data to, to prove the safety of the vaccine, to prove the effectiveness of the vaccine. We're seeing in real life, in real time, how how this vaccine is our key to ending this this pandemic and i know there's another you know we're the state the country is throwing a lot of different ways to try and convince people to get vaccination even the state of washington has entered into the quote unquote lottery sweepstakes for people uh to get the vaccine but but the other piece to me i guess from a clinical side is, you know, I was just reading today this, an, an ICU physician from the University of Washington, and I'm just reading his quote today. He said, if you are unvaccinated in June of this year, 2021, you are fundamentally at a higher risk of ending up in intensive care than back in June of a year ago, because we know this virus has gotten strong. It's become more dangerous and transmissible with this term that we keep talking about, variants. And and that is a real scary a prospect to think of, but he's absolutely correct. Viruses mutate, they change. This one certainly has, as we've seen in the variants. Vaccinating does help us stop the spread of those variants as well. If you're vaccinated, you are significantly less likely to catch any of the variants and therefore spread them on. So unfortunately, it is that unvaccinated person who is at higher risk now for catching those much more lethal variants that are are unfortunately swirling across the United States and into our own community here. So if the regular run-of-the-mill COVID that we were dealing with wasn't enough to scare you into getting a vaccine, understanding that variants are on their way and, and for that unvaccinated person, things could only get worse. 
You touched on it in our first segment, uh, where we were a year ago and where we are today. Uh, this time of the year, we're getting ready to head into the summer, and I know the height of the the agriculture season, and I know that was an area of very large concern for the health district last year just because of the, the outbreaks that occurred. Where are we a year later with that population? You know, we're, we're sitting a lot better than we were even a few months ago. The agricultural community, the business leaders in that realm, really rallied and have worked hard to get their employees vaccinated. And one of the most exciting pieces of data that came across my desk this week is we, uh, we had done a, a clinic, or one of our very first clinics, at an agricultural processing plant early this spring. We uh, completed both doses in the, in the two-dose series. And last year at this time, that, that facility had had over 60 cases of COVID within their employee population. And they are just now wrapping up their, their year, their season, with their vaccinated employee population, they had zero, none, no suspect cases, no confirmed cases. They were COVID-free through this season of work for them. And that, that is, again, a testament to how well this vaccine works. We have a couple of minutes left, and I wanted to touch one area is on the 16 and older population. Are we seeing, uh, is that being received pretty well uh, with that age group? Yeah, we are seeing parents bringing their 16 and older in, um, you know, definitely showing up at many of our pop-up clinics, the CDC West, and, you know, looking ahead to uh, Moderna should be coming on board pretty soon. They're looking at reducing the age. So I think we're going to start seeing these vaccines drop to a lower and lower and lower age, which, again, is, is really good anticipating heading into the summer months, let's get our kids vaccinated so that the school year next year, maybe we can enter in a lot healthier situation. And if it's not an area of of, of safety from getting the vaccine, I know for parents, especially for school-age children that are eligible for the vaccine, you might want to consider getting it done because as the, the closer of the coming school year in August starts, doctor's offices and the like are going to be pretty busy uh, getting vaccines, getting kids ready to go to school. Right. and But remember, the CDC has come out and said that you no longer need to wait that 14 days between getting two different kinds of vaccine. If you need your regular your childhood, your school vaccine, you could get your COVID at the same time. But honestly, it is best to just go in, get it done, get your immunity on board this summer. So when school starts in the fall, you're ready to go. We have about 30 seconds for your concluding comment uh, as we sit here on June 9th, 2021. Uh, what's your concluding message, Heather? You know, actually, we're sitting at a pretty exciting time. And, and it's really because of the vaccine. And I look at how it has improved the health and the well-being and the economy of our community. And as long as we all continue to work together, get vaccinated, our economy is, is going to come back and we'll be a healthier community for it. Heather Hill with the Benton Franklin Health District. We have been connecting for every week for about the last 
60, 70 weeks, it seems like, but uh, continued uh, success with the team. And I know if you are still uh, wondering where you can get vaccinated, go to the health district's website at bfhd.wa.gov. They have all the different locations around the community that not only can you find to get vaccinated, but if you say you even need to get tested as well, the CBC site out near Columbia Basin College is certainly uh, available daily. Thanks to Heather, back with the second half of Catholic on Call right after this. to Cadillac on Call on 610 KONA. This program is not a substitute for direct consultation with your own health care provider. Always consult your health care provider for your specific condition, especially if you have or suspect you may have a medical problem. Now back to Cadillac on Call. Here again, Jim Hall. Welcome back to the program, Cadillac on Call, presented by Cadillac Foundation. And if you missed any part of our program, it is available by podcast. You can search Cadillac on Call wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Now, the summer season is upon us, and great news I know for area kids. There's so much to do in our area, and with things becoming more opened up, there's more opportunity to get back outside and enjoy the things that uh, we traditionally have, the water, sunshine, trails, all of the beauty of this region. Now, to make sure that we all get maximum benefit of this, we want to spend some time sharing some important summer safety information to go along with it. We're pleased to be joined by a longtime friend of this broadcast, Kathleen Clary Cook of Safe Kids Benton and Franklin Counties. And uh, Kathleen, I know recently we had a taste of those triple-digit weather uh, temperatures. Why don't we begin there? Obviously, we know it's inevitable that we're going to get to 100 degrees, 90 degrees warm weather here in our community over the course of the summer. What's Is that one of your areas of major concern over the course of this time? Well, when the, when the weather starts heating up, um, there are certain things that the danger really increases. Uh, more people are in the water, and so we have a greater risk of drowning. Um, anytime the outside temperature is actually even above like 60 degrees, uh, if a kiddo gets left in a hot car, that can be dangerous. And you wouldn't think that even milder temperatures in the, you know, the 60s, 70s, or even 80s could be fatal, but in fact, they can. So, yeah, anytime it starts to heat up, we're, we're always concerned about uh, some of the risks out there to our kids. Let's zero in on that, that the one you just mentioned, the example of people leaving kids in the car. And, and I think that's a great point because it doesn't have to be 90 degrees to be dangerous if some, you know, an animal or, a, a little, heaven forbid, a, chill, a child is left in a car for even a short period of time, but maybe give our listeners a, an example of just how fast that temperature can increase. Yeah, so the temperature inside your car can actually go up 20 degrees in 10 minutes, in the first 10 minutes. So even on a what seems like a really temperate 80-degree day, it will be 100 degrees inside that car. And kids, they're just not small adults. Their physiology is completely different from ours. Their bodies will heat up three to five times faster than an adult. And um, and we're not talking about, we know that the folks who are listening, they're not the people who will intentionally leave a child in a hot car, right? So most of the time, what we're concerned with are people who have just gotten out of their routine. 
it's just like um, when you walk into a room and you forgot what you were in there for. Or for me, when I drive to the end of my road and I automatically turn the same way because that's the way I go 90% of the time, um, I, you're just kind of on autopilot. And our brains are always thinking forward. They're not thinking backwards. And so it can happen to really the very best of parents and grandparents and caregivers. Um, but it's usually somebody that it's either a miscommunication so one person thinks that somebody else has the child or that somebody got somebody else got the child out of the car and everybody thinks somebody else did it or has the child and in fact the child is uh, maybe falling asleep in the back of the car and it unfortunately does not take very long for heat stroke to set in which um, can become fatal to a child very very quickly and certainly i know one of the one of the, the the issues and i know one of the points that you've made to me over the years as we have talked about this topic is it's just the pace of life as you said people are are they're transporting children to wherever they're going and they're just running an errand and and as you said it's it's certainly not intentional but it's just that that point of 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 the pace of life and and i know you've shared with me over the years some some really simple but yet key things to help maybe safeguard against that right so we want people with kids uh especially to get in the habit of always opening that back door whether that child is there or not and so it's a good idea to keep your you know your purse your backpack diaper bag cell phone in the back seat just so you're always in the habit of opening that back door and taking a look at that car seat the other thing is to make sure that if you are taking a child to a daycare, a sitter, dropping them off at grandma's house, that you have an arrangement with them that if you are 15 minutes late, they're going to call and ask where you are, and you're not going to get offended uh, if they do that. But we don't want uh, the per- that other person to assume you're just not coming that day or that you're running way behind because, again, it's a oftentimes just a communication thing where um, people – just assume that you're, you know, oh, well, they must have changed their mind or something and or must not be coming today. And so it's always a good idea to have that that extra um, little communication or, you know, if we've got a mom and a dad sending a text and say, how did drop off go today? And just as a just making sure that everybody got to where they needed to be. Well, that's certainly a major issue on the heat side. And conversely, I know you touched on water safety. And, and let's begin, let's touch first of all on, I guess, the the river recreation. And certainly the Tri-Cities is gifted with uh, incredible recreation uh, in the water, on the shores, and things of that nature. But I guess an initial question is right now, as you and I are speaking, uh, even if it's 90 degrees outside, the temperature of the rivers is quite chilly, isn't it? Yeah, our rivers are always a lot colder and a lot faster than than people realize. And, um, you know, we had a tragic drowning of a teen just a few years ago on Memorial Day weekend um, in the river because people just don't realize how fast and how cold these rivers are. In fact, this last weekend, we had a tragedy. Um, one of our law enforcement officers just across the river in, in Oregon uh, drowned. And so life jackets are super important, not just for kids, but for everybody. And having the life jacket in the boat, on the in, in the kayak, or on your paddleboard, honestly, when you end up in that river, it does you no good whatsoever unless it's on your body. And so 
I know everybody doesn't enjoy wearing them, but they're so important. And as you touched on, say you're out on a boat or on a paddleboard or a jet ski or something of that nature, um, you know, you can get popped off. And as you touched on, that water gets so cold. And if it's somebody that's, you know, even if, if, if you're in a boat with kids in life jackets and you're not, and something where it happens where you get popped out uh, again, you know, not to, not, I, I don't want it to be alarming, but I think people do really need to kind of think of these what if scenarios, don't they? Right. And, um, you know, I had someone telling me, my sister was telling me about something that happened uh, back in upstate New York where a storm came up very suddenly and the parents were trying to get the kids back into the boat you know the kids were paddling around with life jackets on and um suddenly you know with this storm um you know one of the parents was the father was overwhelmed and you know ended up up drowning and again we do have you know some storms that can come up here but it really comes down to the fact of how powerful these rivers are and how cold they are and that your body, no matter how strong of an athlete you are, when the, when the water is that cold, it gets to a point where you literally cannot move. So it's it's not a question of being uncomfortable. It's a question of just not even being able to physically swim at that point. Before we leave this topic, one question before our break relative to that is, is what about, again, as if you're on the river shore, you talk about the, the speed of the current. And, you know, again, there's some beautiful places to go hang out on the beaches of rivers, whether it's the Yakima, Columbia, or Snake. Again, another level of concerns that people should keep an eye out for their kids along the river shores? Oh, absolutely. Anytime water is involved, we always say supervise with your eyes and make sure that there is a designated adult, um, that their job and only the, their only job is to watch the kids, whether it's a pool, whether it's, you know, waiting at the river because drowning is very swift and it's very silent. You, you know, we used to watch cartoons with kids where there was a lot of splashing and people would come back up and there was always the, you know, counting the one, two, three. It's not like that. They just slip under the water. And unless you are paying very strict attention, it's, it, it's very quick and it is silent. And so it's always important uh, with kids around water to always keep an eye and, and not just keep an eye out, but to, really be sitting there with no other distractions, not talking to people, not reading, not looking at your phone, and just really watching and, you know, kind of what I learned as a camp counselor, to constantly count heads. Visiting with Kathleen Clary Cook with Safe Kids of Benton and Franklin County, we have a couple of more summer safety topics to bring her way, and we'll do that right after this. You're listening to Cadillac On Call on 610 KONA. This program provides general information only. Any comments or information presented are strictly for educational purposes. Cadillac and 610 KONA do not endorse any of the suggestions made by the presenter or callers. Now back to Cadillac On Call. Once again, Jim Hall. Welcome back to the program. We want to make you aware of an urgent need for blood donations. Summer is typically a higher need by the Red Cross, and COVID has impacted that with reduced opportunity to donate. But now that things are opening up, we invite you to consider 
donating blood. There's a nationwide shortage, and I understand the need is particularly acute for O-negative blood. And if you can, would like to find out the closest donation site to you, you can visit redcrossblood.org. That's redcrossblood.org. And certainly as uh, the topic at hand is summer safety and I guess an appropriate point to address the importance of donating blood and back to our conversation with Kathleen Clary-Cook with the Benton Franklin Health District and Safe Kids of Benton Franklin County. And Kathleen, we are touching on the, the, the beauty of the rivers, but the danger of rivers as we head to the summer. I do want to spend a quick question, if I could, on swimming pool safety, because obviously in this community as well, there is a lot of uh, home. There are a lot of homes that have uh, swimming pools. And is it the same concepts uh, there as well, especially that word you used, attentiveness? Right. The supervision is, is, is key. And, um, you know, as we were talking about, it's it, it, one of our suggestions is that, you know, hopefully you've got more than one adult that can that can supervise and to take turns, take like 15 minute shifts so that because um, it can get kind of boring just sitting there doing nothing but watching the kids in the pool. Um, and it's also important if you if you have a pool to teach kids uh, some important water skills, uh, being able to step or jump into the water that's over their head, to turn around in the water and find their way to, to safety, to be able to float and tread water, um, and to combine, hopefully learn how to breathe with forward movement, whether that's a dog paddle or, you know, an actual stroke um, or kicking, and, um, you know, and then how to get out of the water. So, um there, it's really important to teach kids to swim, uh, especially if you're going to have a pool, and not just rely on, um, you know, floating devices and things like that. It's really important for kids to learn how to swim, but also that supervision is so important. And, and you know, we do tell parents if a kid ever goes missing, the very first thing you want to check, no matter what time of year, is anything with water in it, whether that's a pool or a hot tub. Um, and the second place you want to check is a vehicle, and we've actually kind of ch- touched on that as well. But, uh, again, kids get in those cars because they might be looking for a toy or they remember there might have been snacks in there yesterday. And a lot of times they don't know how to get out or the child locks prevent them from getting out. So those two places that you always want to check if a kid goes missing is uh, anything with water first and then all the vehicles, including the trunks. You you bring up an interesting point with supervision and relative to COVID. I know there has been some challenge with getting certified lifeguards in area pools around the community and for people to be able to teach swimming lessons. So I guess all the more important reason for parents to be learning uh, proper swim techniques to share with their children in the absence that there may not be as readily available swim lessons this summer. Right. Right. COVID has changed so many things for us. And uh, so it's, just really having to try to adjust and well and I think as you touched on the supervision is is really the key regardless is that you know obviously and I think the one point that you touched on is this can happen quickly it 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 doesn't you know it doesn't happen over the course of a 10 or a 20 minute period it can happen instantaneously almost yeah and unfortunately drowning it's the third leading cause of injury death among children 19 and under, and it's the leading cause of injury-related death among kiddos ages 1 to 4. It's a, it's a real danger. 
And we have just a couple of minutes left, and I know one area I'd like to have you touch on before we leave, and that's the issue of wearing uh, helmets when you're out uh, on bikes or skateboards or whatever kinds of uh, wheel-related activities that you have. But but I know that's a real key emphasis uh, that you like to drive home. And, and I know the one that you compare it to is in the wintertime, you know, just how common it's become for skiers and snowboarders to wear helmets, that it's more fashionable where maybe 20 years ago it wasn't. The same, is it getting more that way with bikes as well? Uh, well, yes and no. Um, we see a lot of kids wearing helmets, which is great, but then we don't see the adults. And, you know, the adult brain is just as highly at risk. You know, that helmet can reduce the risk of a serious brain injury by 88%, yet just like fewer than um, half of all kids actually wear a bike helmet and even fewer adults do as well. So it's important not just for the kids to wear a helmet, but for the parents to wear a helmet, not just to protect their own brain, but to, to serve as that role model as well. Because, you know, if you're telling their child, your child they have to wear a helmet, but you're not wearing yours, there's a really strong message there. So it's super important for not just the kiddo, but the parent. And really it's bikes, skateboards, anything. We like to say if it rides, slides, or glides, use a helmet. So skiing, snowboarding, skateboarding, even scooters, any anything with wheels or um, skates, anything like that, horseback riding, always, always, always have a helmet on. I'm going to give you a bite. You know, and we do have bike helmets and life jackets available for the community. Uh, they might be a little weird. Unfortunately, this year we weren't able to have some of our big community events where we give those things away, but anyone can borrow a life jacket. We have life jacket owner boards at uh, quite a few of the boat ramps and at about 15 parks around the area, and people can also go. There's a the fire station um, on Bombing Range Road. It's uh, Benton County Fire District Number 4. We keep a supply of life jackets there, and anyone can go and borrow a life jacket for a kid or an adult. We also have bike helmets uh, at Richland Parks and Rec and Pasco Parks and Rec. And I know Richland is currently closed to the public. Pasco will give out bike helmets by appointment. And hopefully here with things opening up soon, we'll be able to provide people with, with bike helmets for kids at those locations as well. Uh, we do ask a small donation for them, but if someone doesn't have the 8 or $10 that we ask for them, then no one's turned away. Kathleen Clary Cook with Safe Kids of Benton and Franklin County. Valuable information as always. Thanks so much for your time and thank you for listening to Cadillac on Call. We'll talk again next week.